I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words DraftKings podcast. I'm joined as ever by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hideki! <laughs> now that's the reason I can't pre-record this little segment because like I say the same thing every time and then you come up with a great response every single time that, that <laughs> differs completely. Um, what a win. Um, Cantley ejected, I think is fair to say, but 62 final round is that that matched the course record right yeah i think it does it i think given the circumstances it's one of the best rounds in recent memory i mean i don't know if you want to say pg tour history but the way he played when he made that many birdies when nobody else um could seemingly make one big birdie and he just kept making and the shots on 15 and 16 were just incredible um his around the green game was so good and that's one of the reasons why i bet him just everything he's getting everything up and down even when he wasn't hitting great shots chipping on two and then the 40 foot putt on 14 just it was it was insane i mean starting the day i looked back at it and i was like i have a lot of money in hideki but he's 130 to one six shots back i feel like that's too big i almost bet more um but and then it just kept getting smaller and after every hole it was like getting smaller and smaller then all of a sudden you blinked your eyes and he was minus 2000 and i was like i was shell-shocked it was the it was the fact that he went like six inches to the hole and eight inches to the hole, right? And it was like a total of fourteen inches over two holes that he was from the hole. Um yeah, it was phenomenal, right? Like I I have a little bit of FOMO. I feel like I should have been there after we kind of talked about him for so much of the kind of year, I guess, probably. Probably even longer than that. Like probably this whole time we've been doing a show, right? I've been talking about the Hideki thing was gonna come. You've persevered, I haven't. Um quite simple really but I think unless I'm reading this wrong like he gained like eight shots yesterday on the field yeah um Adam Hadwin shot 65 gained nearly six strokes but other than that like just actually go down to Tom Hoagie and Sam Burns two people I was on Tommy Fleet as well all shot 67 but yeah like it was only really Hideki and, and Hadwin that really had these kind of really strong rounds yeah, I'm looking at the prices now. Is it going down to 5K this week? I mean, it should do. Yeah. What 5K. the hell? That's I bizarre. Mean, are you going to take JB Holmes at 5K? Or? I love JB Holmes. I mean, he's one of the only proven winners in this field. <laughs> he, he is that. Um, whether it was 20 years ago or not, I don't know. But um, I always give. JB Holmes a pass more than other people. I kind of like the guy for some reason. I guess it's because everyone hates him. But. Well, not just 20 years ago. When I had JT at Riviera. He beat him uh, in 2019. It was horrible. Everyone but. hates him. Do you remember it was during the Open? He didn't win in the end of the day. It was only Shane Lowry won, I think. But, like, yeah, he was just really slow, wasn't he? And I, oh, kept, yeah. I kept trying to make up, like, because he had a couple of, like, serious brain injuries, like brain issues, didn't he? And I was like, Maybe that's why he's being slow, like his, you know, his balance is off. I was giving him every excuse under the sun, trying to really root for the guy. Um, I think I'm very much just oppositional with people. I think that's one of my traits. Like if people go in on someone, I try and defend them. I think I've given up trying to defend someone like a Patrick Reed, but I'll give JB Holmes some leeway. Well, I think that's why you and I um, get along well, because they're both similar in that. And it goes the opposite way, too. Like the whole world's on Zalatoris. When he first came off, I was kind of going the opposite. And these people now are forcing me to do the same thing on uh, Ludwig Ober, or wherever he wants to be pronounced, because everyone thinks he's going to win every single week. What did he finish last week, like 46? That's an oppositional thing as well, by the way. He's just he's just decided that's not his name anymore. His name was never Ludwig Ober when he first yeah. got the tour. He was definitely Ludwig Eberg, and there was no question about it. Like, he said it himself, and all of a sudden he's got a new name. Like, Well, it went from Eberg to Eber to now it's Ober. Yeah. yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, Hideki again, I uh, Hideki does something to me that just stirs something up deep inside me that rarely gets to come out. And just something about like those majestic iron shots. Uh, he, you know, and I, I talked about this previously um, when we were talking before the event, how much I liked him. A big reason was um, the soft golf course. Like, we, he's just yeah. so good when it's soft. Well, I was looking at his major odds. 
and no one was taking like this was before he even won like no one was taking chances on him he was like he was like 50 to 1 across the board for everything and I think that's kind of testament to Hideki like he's been bigger on other weeks like week to week they're taking chances on him but for the majors they just won't take a chance because they know he can find it in that three or four week span and now he's found it he's probably going to be bet for every major this season by you know multiple people so um can he win the Masters again? Probably not. Can he? Yeah, but will he? I don't think so. Yeah, I guess that's the question. Like, do you think he wins another major though? I think he could. I mean, I've always liked him at U.S. Opens. I always weirdly like him for the Open. Yeah, I mean, I like him every. He's he's a uh, he really plays the big events well. Like, all, look at his wins. He has very few like shitty wins. All his wins are pretty meaningful. I don't think he literally has a single shit win, right? Like Memorial, Phoenix, WGC, Phoenix, WGC, Masters, Zozo, which is basically a major for him. I guess Sony is the one. Yeah, Sony's the one. Uh, but he's a, yeah, he likes the big events, and that's why I liked him. He liked, and you know what? He loves the classical test. Yeah. And do you know what I also like about him? Four and one in playoffs. Yeah, that's true. Like Ansa beat him for the St. Jude, but I felt like Ansa was inevitably going to win at some point in his career. Like, Maybe that was just correctional or anything. But, like, he's he's really beaten a lot of good golfers as well. Like, Kevin Nahr, Ricky Fowler, Daniel Berger, Henry Stenson by seven strokes, Webb Simpson, Zach Johnson, Will Zalatoris. I guess the Zozo was Brendan Steele and Cameron Trigali. But then again, Russell Henley, Luke List, Will Zalatoris. Like, he beats these. I guess he hasn't. I guess the one thing I would say is he hasn't beaten, like, head to head a Rory or a. Scheffler or whatever but I don't even th- do they do that like if you look at like over the years it never seems to be best versus best like, I guess we go back to like Phil and Tiger it was but like does that happen like do we we always talk about how oh, it could just be between Scheffler and Rory it never seems to be no there were the one the few that I can think of um wasn't there a Brooks Rory battle at St. Jude yeah that seems to ring a bell and then like, a couple years ago. like a 61 or something to find around to Kind yeah, as well. And then Brooks Rahm Masters. True. Like I guess it does happen, but even then, like that's like Brooks should wasn't being considered like in that echelon at that point, was he? Like it, historically, he is, but like at the time, wasn't. Like you look at Spieth. So beat Patrick Cantlay last time. Good, good final round. Um, playoff win. Charlie Hoffman, Matt Kuchar, Daniel Berger, Kelly Craft, Harry, Harris English, Patrick Reed. Danny Lee, Justin Rose, Henry Stenson, Tom Gillis, David Hearns, Zach Johnson. Like, do they actually ever really seem to beat the best? So no. there's always there's always this impression of like, oh, there's certain players. I know we're getting a bit off topic here, but it's the Mexico Open, so I think we've got time. Like, do they do the best ever really beat the best? Like Rory, last few last few wins beats Robert McIntyre at Scottish, Kirk Kisiar at CJ Cup. He beat Scotty Scheffler at the Tour Championship. He beat Tony Finau, beat Colin Morikawa. So Rory, I guess, is the exception. Beat Finau, beat Morikawa, beat Anser, Zander, Zander, Shane Lowry, Bryson. So I guess he's done it. Yeah. Is, who, when, when after that rainstorm, when Decky came out and went nuclear at Augusta, who was, who was up there before that? Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to try and guess. Let's have a look. Shaffler, maybe? Was that a little bit long ago for it to be Scheffler? It's 2020. It was like the year before he was good. Um, for 2021? 2021 is when he won it, right? Yeah. So, so Scheffler was probably in the mix by then. Um, let's have a look. Masters. Why is it showing me this? Show me this. 2021. So... Justin Rose was up there. Justin, oh yeah, okay. So it was Justin Rose was the halfway leader ahead of Brian Harmon and Will Zalatoris. And then it was Leishman, Spieth, JT. So there was JT, Finau, Siwu, people like that at the time. So actually yeah. that was a pretty impressive field to come through, I guess. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyway, we digress. Hideki, elite, great champion, probably... One big win away from being a Hall of Famer, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you could say 
he already would be in because of his, I mean, World Golf Hall of Fame. It's not the PGA Tour Hall of Fame. So I think the impact he's had globally would maybe make him more of a candidate. Is He's now the most winning this Asian player, right? Like that yesterday took him above KJ Choi, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and he's won the major. So, yeah, I guess that's it. Big events. I mean, the Firestone win, the Riviera win, are just big, big wins. Like if he'd won like the Olympics, I guess that changes everything. Yeah, he probably won it this year. He could, but it would be in France rather than Japan. Yeah, true. The road might be good for him though. Yeah, I agree. Let's go into the Mexico Open. That's why we're here. That's why people are here listening, I guess. Um, Tony Finau, twelve thousand, and then it's a drop to Emiliano Grillo, eleven one. Nicholas Nor, uh, Nicholas Hoygaard, ten seven. Thiago Johnson, ten three. Thomas Dietrich, ten one. You have a grin on your face, Matt. Um, I don't know if that's just a natural expression at the moment after winning so much money on Hideki, or, <laughs> like, or, where, or whether you have actually got something in your head that you're desperate to let go. No, it's a combination of both. I mean, but it's just the price. I mean, just seeing Grillo at eleven one is just insane. Is this one of those weeks though where you play him because of that? No. Well, one of the reasons I don't think so is because it's going between twelve thousand and five thousand, which is yeah. why some are so expensive. And maybe they're trying to, I don't know, make it tougher to go up here. But um, I, I don't. I think Grillo could be fine, but I just I wouldn't play him at that price. Finau is the is the tough one because not the tough one, but at twelve thousand flat, he does definitely have to win, and. But he he is pretty likely to win too, I would argue. You know, it it does feel like he's back to the Finau that that wins this tournament. Like he's not back to his brilliant, brilliant best, but he's back to the level where he's been top ten in his last three straight events in strokes gain approach, um, and top ten strokes gain tee screen all three of those events as well. And he's coming into it second and first in form, and he's only been beaten by John Rahm at his golf course. So I, I think. He's probably a very worthy 12 candidate. Yeah, I think he. he I think he is. Uh, and if you probably look at the betting odds, I mean, if you he, he's seven or eight to one, and you get the next guy after him is up at 20. So I think you'd probably argue that that 12k might represent value. That's seven to one or plus 750 you can get on betting wise. By the way, like I never do this ever. I don't think that's too bad. Yeah, it's not that bad. Like in comparison to some like we see. Scheffler and Rory and that go off at these prices in much more competitive heats. Like he's shown that he just clears up at these sort of events. I think the sevens one's actually fine. I think it's fair, and I think that also makes it seem like this pr- DraftKings price is incredibly good. If you, I mean, he's twelve, and you get these other guys who are almost triple the odds of him in the betting yeah. board, just you know, only at nine hundred below. So I thought I'd get a little bit of a break on Thielgren Anderson. I thought like, he wouldn't be quite, because I can understand the way guys been playing over here. He's in, in mind with a lot of people, like people want to play him. I thought we might get a week of break on Anderson where people are not really sure and they haven't really been tracking him on the DP World Tour, but he's straight there at 10-3, which kind of annoys me a little bit. Um, and then we've got Thomas Dietrich at 10-1. Dietrich, so frustrating. Yeah, I just I'm not interested at all on him. He doesn't even but he doesn't even win on the DP World Tour. It's not even like he can't make the step up. He's not done it there either. Like no. that's no. that's the frustrating thing. So I'm not interested in D Tree. I am interested on Hot Ollison. I don't mind I guess you probably can't do this. If you can find enough in the kind of six K range and live in there, then I don't mind starting with Fina and Ollison. You probably could because you can go down to five K now. Yeah, but the, I mean, there's a reason they're 5k. I guess like we'll come to that when we come to it. I guess, but like, there's probably a couple of five-five guys or something that we can probably play. Um, but even then, if it, I guess if it's mid sixes, there'll be better players than what you typically get in 6k normally. Yeah, I mean, the 5k guys are now going to be the typically the 6k guys. Yeah, so it all, all evens out. Let's go into the 9Ks. Let's not go one by one. Uh, it starts with Keith Mitchell at 9-9, ends with Mark Hubbard at 9. Uh, I have one standout player among this list, but there's a couple of others. I think the Keith Mitchell thing is going to happen at some point. I'm still mm-hmm. on that train. Um, whether it's here or not, I'm not sure, but it will happen. 
But it's Mackenzie Hughes for me is is the standout. I actually really think Mackenzie Hughes one is playing a little bit better than he has been, uh, which is encouraging. Like he was 31st last week at Riviera, but he was actually second at the halfway stage, right? Like 69-65 open inside the top 10 going into Sunday. I think a golf course like that catches up with you if you're not absolutely perfect. 10th at the halfway stage at uh, Torrey Pines, fun around 64 to century. I would argue that apart from Pebble Beach, he hasn't really played an event that really plays to his strengths so far. Um, and maybe that's the case here again, like maybe not quite long enough to, to have a real impact. But he's, he's definitely slightly longer than he used to be in terms of driving distance. Um, he's above average in Ashwick. And when you look at his, you know, like history second and third at the corrales two events that obviously points to this pebble beach he's been 10th seventh at the worldwide technology championship in mexico as well um i think he played okay at the wgc mexico championship when it was there he's played enough golf in this type of event well to suggest that he could actually go and win an event of this magnitude like yeah i mean i i can definitely see it um to me, it's just been, I know he hits it longer now with the bomber narrative, and it's funny, you, you actually kicked off your um, talking about this range there with this guy, and he was my first bet of the week was Keith Mitchell. Yeah, like I, it, like I think it's his off the tee prowess is what everyone is drawn to with Keith Mitchell, right? And I think this is where it potentially comes into play. I'm not, I haven't com- completely finished my betting card yet, and I haven't ruled him out being on it. I guess the only thing, both of these guys that we're talking about here, Mitchell and Hughes, they don't play this event. Like, this is the first time they've both played it. But I think Mitchell has been solid for a decent amount of time now. I think the one week I actually experimented with him, he missed the cut at Torrey. Because um, I think I said that it would be his best, like, career finish at, like, Torrey. I didn't say he would play well, but, like, better than he had done, and he didn't. Second round 66 at the Pebble. But then... 17th in Phoenix was really, really solid for sub-70 rounds. Why didn't he play last week? Didn't get in. Yeah, I guess it was that. Remember, we were talking about um, wanting him on uh, to bet on, like, first-round leader or something and play him in yeah. DraftKings. Yeah, must have been that, but I, I like it for this week. And you know what else I, in, during the deep dive, kind of um, realized? He played a lot in the Latino tour. Did he really? Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, and he has like a bunch of top tens on the. Uh, I, I don't know how the field strength is, but the fact that he plays on, I'm sure they play in all these types of courses. Yeah, it strikes me as something. And like, look where he's won is is Honda, where it gets a bit breezy and things like that. Corrales, he was second again. I think that Corrales thing is important. Like, there's definitely a lot of crossover between Corrales and Mexico. Um, so so much that was that that kind of put me over the edge on him. Yeah, and and the second place finish there is great. So. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with both of those guys there. Pendrick's going to be popular in his range, I think. Yeah, I bet him too. Uh, first thing in the morning, I knew people were going to bet him, so I woke up at 6:45, <laughs> set an alarm. I was off today, and I he was 35 to one on DraftKings when I woke up, and someone told me he's down now and down to 22. Um, Do you think he win, or is it a number play? Uh, I think he can win. I don't see why. I mean, if Fino doesn't win, then anyone can win here. Yeah. Right. I mean, because everyone else is relatively the same. Like you could say he, he could be a loser, but most of these guys are losers. Yeah, the whole field is made up of losers. So um, I think besides one guy who I love, <laughs> I think the thing with Pendrick, he's so feast or famine at the moment. Like he's literally either missed cut or top 10. Yeah, which is which is actually what you want in this kind of format in this type of field, I think. Absolutely. And he he crushes. So he was first in my model this week and he crushes um, these easier events. So if I look at I made a, a little filter with so it only includes courses that have weak fields and easy conditions. And he's sixth in that. He's also fourth in um, Caribbean events. So all these past Palm events, fourth in ball striking his last 24 is 18th in driving distance. So he just just rates out incredibly well for me. And just I test I, I I like the fact that he was ninth at Torrey. I feel like that he kind of, you know, he's been good in certain places in the past, but I feel like that was kind of a different level for him playing it in a bigger type of event. Do you know what else? This could be completely irrelevant, but like, so he missed the cut of the Fortinet, but since then, third at the Shriners, 15th in Mexico, 8th at the Bermuda, 10th at the Sony, 9th at the Farmers. The two missed cuts in between that run, right? RSM and the Amex, three course rotations. Or to all yeah. multiple rotations, right? So whether that's just a factor, whether he just doesn't like those kind of mucking about on different courses, I'm yeah. just I'm giving him excuses for his missed cuts, right? He could have just missed the cut. But ultimately he's been on a real run of form now, third, fifteenth, eighth, tenth, and ninth, where 
the, the, the idea should be that he's now dropping down a grade, he can win. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. So I thought the number was good. I'm going to play him on DraftKings. Um, so, the, the, yeah, the three I liked in there were um, were Mitch, Mitchell, Pendrith, and then Jaeger, just because he's a birdie machine. And I like that he developed some scar tissue at Torrey Pines as well. He's so solid. Like, he, he's yeah. so solid and someone that you can pretty much rely on. It's just whether you see the winning upside, right? And it's whether he's either going to learn from Torrey Pines and come out really quickly and win or he's going to struggle. Like, it's literally as simple as that. I mean, he struggled straight after at Pebble, but a lot of people struggled at Pebble that week, so I'm not too fussed on that. Um, any interest in kind of like the Rogers, Van Royen, Fox, Hitsasune? Well, I had Rogers circled here uh, for the last, since I started my research here towards the end of last week. I really liked the play. I thought he um, finished 10th in both of his starts here the last two years, but my issue was just the price and the number, and I just... I'm not. It's fun betting him at 100 to one in California, but when it gets down to 30 to one in 9700 at, at Mexico, it, that's kind of when I where I draw the line. But I do see why he he makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like I see Rogers is very much the same as Mitchell. Like the opportunity at the moment is they both got a good chance to kind of go on and contend, but Mitchell's done it and Rogers hasn't. Like as simple as that so far, right? So um, yep. the one everyone's going to be on Brandon Wu for very obvious reasons. Uh, I, I love Wu. I, I, so the first time I bet him here was when kind of nobody knew who he was. He was 150 to one. I bet him. And I also bet him a top five. And even the top five was like 50 to one at um, two years ago. And then, but him last year at 66 to one. Yeah. And he finished in third. So second and third, but Nick, he's now down to the range where if he wins and he beats me at 30 to one, then I can live with it. What made you bet him originally? Had he played well at Corrales or something? Yeah. Corrales in Puerto Rico yeah. every year. So like, it makes sense. And look, he's going to play. Like, I'm pretty confident he's going to play well. Like He's been playing well enough in courses that, you know, 18th at the Sony, 47th at Pebble Beach, where he could have, you know, made ground. He shot a second round 69 when he missed the cut in Phoenix. He was three sub 70 rounds in the Amex when he missed the cut. Like, he's playing well enough to suggest he's going to have another good week. I just, I'm going to look elsewhere and try and get a little bit different at this point. Um, 8K range, shiny new toys, Jake Knapp. Do you remember when I talked about him and you said, who the hell is that guy? And, yeah, and I still don't know who he is. He finished third that week. Uh, at Torrey Pines. <laughs> and, then, and then finished 28th in Phoenix. Like, <laughs> for whatever reason, he's actually found some form, but I, I still can't blame him at 8,700. We were talking about him as a 6'4 guy that week or whatever he was. Um, I think this 8K range, one, you've got the really volatile player of Cameron Champ, who's played really well here in the past and could absolutely play well again. But I think McNeely and Eckrode are interesting. Yeah, Eckrode I was looking at a little bit. I mean, he's the type of guy who can um, make a bunch of birdies on an easy course. But yeah, yeah I'm not too sure on the on. What was the reason for McNeely? So I just think McNeely's a better player than like I think he got overrated at one point, and then I think he's like almost overcorrected, and people don't think he's any good anymore. And he opened with 68, closed with 67 here last year, despite only finishing 60th. Um, sixth last time out at the Phoenix, 37th and 39th going into those weeks. Everyone was obviously all over him at Pebble when he didn't do it. He was inside the top 10 after 54 holes at the Farmers. So after a, a long break, he's actually been inside the top 10 for 54 holes at one event and, you know, all week at another, which is, yeah. I think, pretty impressive. And then when you look at you actually look at the fact that Paz Palam, he's, he's kind of got these low rounds for whatever reason. I don't know what courses they come on. I'm about to find that out. But, like, I think there's something with Maverick Manili where I think people have been burnt by him at Pebble and they've just kind of given up on him. Um, and that's fine. That's probably where I live. Yeah, and I didn't play him at Pebble, so I'm not going to play him here. 10th at the Maya Cobra in 2022. 12th at the Maya Cobra in 2020. Um, so that's where his Paz Palam's coming from. Okay. Yeah. I mean, are, are people actually betting Jake Knapp? I don't know, but he, I mean, he's he's up here. Like, I mean, if you're betting Jake Knapp at whatever he was when he was like 500s one before, then then so be it. Like, I don't. He's Jake Knapp's not someone I've looked at and gone, oh, he's a long-term talent. He was just in good form coming into that week on the Corn Ferry. Um, yeah. I don't suddenly think he's the second coming. Um, anything else on in this range? Yeah, Cam Champ, I bet, and will definitely be playing. I think he has a really strong chance to win. 
Um, look at his recent form. It's awful, but it always is awful. Is, so, he the not, is he the non-loser you're referencing to? Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's uh, a winner. He is. You just don't know when it's coming. Like, it, like you. I guess if you wrote him up as a pick, like, what cases do you make for him that, that he plays really well here and he can win? Yeah, I mean, well, the thing with Champ, and I disagree that I don't know when it's coming, because I think we do know when it's coming. The same courses he plays well every single yeah. year. Even Augusta was off of eight or ten miscuts in a row. He finished tenth at, at the Masters, and then here he was sixth and eighth in his two two starts here. Yeah. Um, 3M he played really well before winning that. Um, I was on him there at 150 to one. I just think he shows he he has his places, and you know 98% of the time he's probably the worst golfer on the PGA Tour, and then 2% of the time he's the best. And we're starting to see that those that 2% or probably less comes when he's on these courses that you can really let the driver go um i think he can this here uh he can let the driver go also i think that past palm kind of neutralizes what typically isn't a great putter uh and i think he will be in the mix this week what was he 50s one 60 60 yeah that's pretty good and actually when you look at it as well he's missed cuts he only just missed the cut in phoenix he had a second round 67 at tory he had a Third round 65 at the Amex and an opening 68 at Sony where he was inside the top 30. So he's actually kind of had one or two good rounds every week. Um, well, one round every week because he's missed a cut every time. But like he's been showing enough to suggest that he could just come good at a course that he obviously loves. Last year he finished eighth here and he missed his missed the cut in the eight previous events leading up to it. I guess this is the, the, the argument against Brandon Wu is you just play champ instead. Yeah, I will play champ instead. Because what is he? How much cheaper is he? He's $500 cheaper on DraftKings. And he's like 10 points longer in the betting board. Like if you're thinking about playing Brandon Wu for the reasons you think about playing Brandon Wu, just play Cameron Champ. Yeah, I, I hope he's not popular because I absolutely love him this week. Yeah, I like it. Anything else? Justin Sir, Michael Keir, Marin Ride, Charlie Hoffman? I'm going to say no down in this range. Um, but I agree. Charlie Hoffman's the man. <laughs> yes. SH Kim, 7,900. Um, I don't know what he is. I, I literally don't know what he's good at, why he's good, but he was 30th at the Sony, 13th going into the final round. He was 50th at Tory, but he was 10th going into the weekend. He was 30th basically all week at Pebble. And then he got worse after every round at Phoenix. We went 8th after round 1, 17th after round 2, 24th, 28th. Like he's, he faded away in Phoenix, but Again, just putting himself right there. And then you look last year, 24th at this golf course, four sub-70 rounds. Um, didn't have that real low round here, um, but it was also his first look. Like, comes back next year and plays really well. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, uh, I've been kind of on and off in a little bit this year. Uh, I like some things that I saw from him. I think this week probably makes a little bit of sense. I'm probably done with the SH Kim experiment. Um, I like some other guys better in this range, but I absolutely see why you might be uh it just feels like a okay he's playing really consistently now he's dropped down in field strength he should be right up there and second at the fortinet fourth at the shriners like he's shown it in these kind of birdie fest events that you can do it bahamas he was third um on the corn Ferry tour sony's played well suncoast classic like so all these kind of windy affected events he's played well um I just, I literally just don't know what he is. Like that's the only, that's the one thing I would say is I just don't know what he's great at. I think he's just solid across the board. Yeah, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know really know either. Um, looking at people in that range, I kind of like a little bit better. A little uh, toasty. I was gonna, I actually was planning on betting him. I, I thought he was gonna be like 120 to one though, and he was like 40 to one or something. So I didn't do it. But was, was he the one that is like disgraced? I I don't know I don't I, I don't know too much about him. Is it, what is he Colombian? Uh, Argentinian. Okay. But I think didn't he do something where people didn't like him or something? Um, not on hell. No, he's not. But he's from maybe cut from the same cloth. I think is potentially the issue. Okay. Uh, well, I don't know what it was that he, he had a dis- disciplinary matter basically. Um, it was going to be handled internally. They're basically not saying what it was. Um, probably probably some cocaine. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's fine. I don't care yeah. about it. 
Like, as long as he wins. But yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. I mean, fine. Like, he was 10th here last year. Um, final around 64. And he's been playing solidly enough. 43rd last time out. Beyond that, I don't really know why else to like him. I guess that's yeah. enough reason in this field. And we're going to another one of my bets here who I really love. Um, can he actually win the event? I don't know. Is, John is Vegas. He, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say Johnny Vegas. Like, oh yeah, I mean, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna have to send you the guy that's called Johnny Vegas in the UK, because um, you'll 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 find it funny when we like what us Brits will think Johnny Vegas is. Um, so I'll send you a picture after we're done here and and show you what Johnny Vegas actually is in yeah. the UK. But um, back it seems after a good week of Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, you gained like eight strokes ball striking. Off the tee was great. Approach was great. Another driver, kind of heavy course that he was able to to do well at. He has a great a bunch of good past Palm courses, uh, finishes Corrales in Puerto Rico. Um, obviously likes the, you know, heat, likes playing in warm conditions, coastal conditions. Um, and I just love him. He's the man. I can just picture him just drenched in sweat, making birdies. I, I, sometimes it's one of those things you want to be a part of. And that worked for me uh, with Hideki at Riv. That's something I wanted to be a part of, and I wanted to be an ex- will it in existence. And I think I'm gonna do the same thing here with Big John Vegas. Is it just Camillo again? <laughs> like it's just everyone wants it to happen if it gets yeah. in the mix. Like I yeah, think, I do. I think Camillo's obviously got that a bit more of an emotional story to it. But like Vegas was a you know really popular player at one point in the PGA Tour, and and has gone through some tough injuries and things like that. Like it'd be a it'd be a good win. Oh, it'd be amazing. I think it would be good for the PGA Tour. And I was thinking about this earlier. Like, I think Champ would be good for the PGA Tour, too. Um, like the he's, PGA Tour really needs a short price winner, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. But Hideki wasn't bad. Like, because I think, you know what I got right here? There he is. Camilo the side of the times, a signed Camilo Vajegas card that I just, funny, I just I was just looking at it when you, were, when you mentioned his did name. You, um, did you seek that out, like, you know, no, I bought a um, I bought a box when they the upper deck came out with um a new golf product a couple of years ago, and that just happened to be in it. Because there's that ComC site, a collectible card website, and you can get these guys like sign of the time cards for like literally like two bucks, like, and they're oh. like literally like whoever you want. Like I, I was going to do a little run of people I've had on the podcast, but it felt a little bit weird, so I didn't bother. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's once you've spoken to these guys, I don't know if you really want to go searching for their signed autographs on a card, but it's cool. Well, I did with one behind me when Travis at the Open, he signed that and uh, sent it to me, so that was good. I that's cool. Picture, but that's, cool yeah. that's, that's, that's a nice you know, personal piece. Um, yeah. This should be a good Vincent Norman golf course. Yeah, I actually kind of forgot about him a little bit, to be honest with you. Like He, he feels like a Pendrift type player. Um Except he can win. <laughs> yeah, well, apparently. Um, but he was 18th here last year. He was basically inside the top 20 the whole week. Uh, he's just not been good this year. I think people thought he was going to kick on from last year, and he hasn't done it. Now, that's in a small sample size of four events where you could argue like his biggest assets have kind of been negated. Um, so, and he obviously not a big hitting golf course. Phoenix, maybe, I don't know if that was the first or second time he played there, but they might have got to him. He was inside the top 20 going into the final round of Tory, and he was fine for a round at the century. So there might just be enough with Norman that he's he's going to come back and play well in, in a drop of class at 76. Yeah, it seems like it could be one of those a good bounce back spots where people kind of forgot about him. But I'm just going to play 100% John Vegas instead. <laughs> just 100%. People are trying to Willem Robert McIntyre win into existence. I, I can't get behind it, but he's cheap there at 7K, I guess. Um I'm going to yeah. go with a different yeah. European. I think Sammy Valamaki can play well six seven. Oh, I like that. He he plays well on these kind of coastal courses on the DP World Tour, and he was inside the top ten at Torrey Pines going into the, the weekend, finished forty first, and then he closed with a sixty four last week, open with sixty nine. So there's definitely some signs from the old finish flash that you could come in here and. And fire around on a course that's going to yield some birdies. So I think Sammy Malamaki is a bet for me and definitely a DraftKings play. Yeah, I, I like that. What, what was his betting odds? Uh, his betting odds were around the 100 mark, I think. Just double check the American odds checker and see what you guys can get. Um, 
125. Yeah, uh, it's just, yeah, I, I think I love it in theory. It's just for me, like trying to picture a DP World Tour player winning a Mexico Open just feels like a little weird. <laughs> it, does, it does feel weird, like it, but it's no weirder than Matthew Pavon winning the Tory Pines. No, not at all, not at so, all. Um, like, in theory, these are, there's like four events a year where people think strong DP World Tour players can win, right? And it's this, Corrales, Puerto Rico, uh, Barracuda, and things like that. I think now they're actually getting their cards and playing kind of longer term stuff. I think these events are definitely somewhere to circle and like 121 for a player that we know can win at least on the DP World Tour level is is fine. So yeah. um, at 6,700, I think he's good. So I like that. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago you said to me about Victor Perez and you wonder yes. why I didn't like him and then he's missed a couple of cuts since then. Any any interest in trying to find a bit of form? Yeah, there? actually, I actually was looking at him again. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly why. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 this was the same conversation we had two weeks ago and like you actually had to jump off the podcast and I basically just sat there and went, yeah, he liked him and I have no I idea. Left you, <laughs> I left you with uh, trying to make the case for me because I couldn't make it myself. Yeah, basically. Um, but I thought he started off pretty good, actually. Yeah, I just, I still don't know. I still don't know. No, but no, I like other guys better. Like, I'm playing, uh, I bet Harry Hall, 135 to 1. Yeah, he likes these events. He has all those corrals, um, Puerto Rico open ones, good putter. Another guy who might, I don't know, I don't really pick, picture an Englishman wearing a fedora, <laughs> or whatever the hell it is, winning at, winning in Mexico. But um, Well, the worst thing about that flat cap thing is that He's completely bald underneath it, isn't he? Yeah, maybe that's why. Maybe that is why, but I mean, so he looks a little bit like a Peaky Blinder. Yeah. But he wears it in like Vegas. It's a bit strange. Yeah, you went to UNLV, uh, which is. But it's, weird, but it's weird that he wear he still wears that no matter where he is. Like if he came back over and played in like Scotland or like the middle of England, I was like, I think fair enough. Like back to your heritage. Like I don't walk around wearing one. I live in England. He's wearing it in Vegas in the in the height of like some i think you look good in one <laughs> so I, I like i think it's cool i i don't but there we go but, uh, but, but the reason why because you're one englishman in this in a sea of americans that i see doing this so you so if you do that you almost like accentuate um you know my perception of you the englishness i'll put one on next time uh, thank you when we, when we go to video format i'll wear one um, okay good i don't own one i've got to 30 years of age without owning one so so Maybe I'll, it's I'll send you one. I just want a bunch of money on Hideki, so. Yeah, send me some of Hideki money and I'll put it on next year. Uh, okay. Next week. Um, Pat and Kazai loves these events. Loves Mexico in particular. Um, yeah, he does. He's won the, the Mike Ober. He's won the Sony. <sighs> he's just not good, is he, at the moment? He's not been good for a while. No, I think he's... Um, is he cooked? Which is like, completely cooked. Yeah, I think he was. I think he wishes he was with uh, Hudson Swafford on live. He, he, he could go and play it. No one would know, would they? But no. he thirteenth at the Sony. So maybe he's not completely cooked. Maybe we're being a bit harsh. He's had two bad tournaments since then. Like finished the year fifteenth uh, in Mexico, ironically thirty seventh at the Bermuda, where he's inside the top twenty going to final round, and thirtieth going into the final round of the RSM. Like I, I'm actually quite tempted to go with Pat and Kazaya. Yeah, I mean, he's just so boomer bust. Like, and you might know early either he's gonna be the first round leader or come like dead last. I get. I guess the thing with him is like he's good in Mexico because it's what is demanded at Sony with Paspalum, whereas this is a long golf course where he doesn't really have that in his repertoire. Yeah. Like on the face of it, loves Paspalum, loves Mexico, but potentially not this golf course. I mean, he missed the cut last year, so it's not just potentially he hasn't liked it so far. Yeah, I, I get it. I, I like three other guys kind of in this range. Get me. Um, what was what was Kazaris price again? Sixty eight hundred. Okay, we're down to sixty three. I'm going back to uh, Adrian Dumont DHSR. The reason why is because his best skill is the driver, and I think he's kind of in that mold of the Peters and Dietrichs and those elder, uh, other Belgian players who I think make a lot of sense in an event like this. And twenty three years old, I think up and comer. He's two hundred to one. So I wanted to. I think you might see some younger players win on tour this year with kind of watered down talent pool. So I'm, I'm, if I'm going to stick, if I'm going to bet them, I got to stick with them through these type of events at the same number. Do you know what's really weird? That I don't think Jorge Campillo has played on the PGA Tour yet this season, has he? So he was one of those guys that got 
some PJ Tour starts. I think he got his card through the top ten, right? Yeah. Uh, and he is a he won last year's Kenya Open. And instead of defending that, he's taking the opportunity to come over here and play. He's not mm. a big hitter, like at all. So I'd be slightly concerned. But it's interesting to me that he's skipping what should be a really easy week for him, or a you know a strong week for him in Kenya to come and play this event. Like I, I yeah. think it sort of says something to me that suggests he, for some reason, likes the idea of coming to Mexico. What's his price? He is 64. 64. He just finished. He just finished fifth in the Qatar Masters, and then he's and then he's abandoning in Europe to come and play PJ Tour first time. Interesting. Yeah, I think he makes sense. So, I mean, I think he's one of those guys that you blind bet every now and then on the DP World Tour when you just throw some names at me, and then yeah, you, he's like him and Ollison are pretty much like this is your this is your field, right? That's him and Ollison are just your, your bets. Um, I think he's probably too short to actually win. Um, well, another another one in that mold who actually the time you're referring to when I bet all those guys, I think one of them was Matty Schmidt, right? Yeah. Who pumps it? He's sixty two hundred. Yeah, I, I went through a period of being on Matty Schmid. I was on him when he finished second at Andalusia. I was on him when he finished third at Bermuda. I was on him when he finished 38th in Mexico. But I was also on him when he missed the cut of the RSM and the Sony. So I've kind of got this bit of scar tissue now where I've seen him throw away a couple of chances to win and then miss two cuts when I've been on him. And he's not made one since. But How was he at Butterfield Bermuda? He finished third and he was good there. But that was, that was the week that um Camillo runway so yeah like he played pretty well it was just the final round he didn't quite have it which has been kind of his career so far but he's still so young that I don't I don't mind that um 68 74 here last year so he was inside the line quite far inside the line after round one and just had a bad second day seems yeah. cheap 62 it I, I kind of like it the Bermuda uh kind of comp there and then I like Carl Yuan too he's been bad since he crazy Carl. He's been bad since he was in contention <laughs> earlier this year, but now I think this is just one of those courses where he makes a lot of sense. What about a guy that hits uh, 57 and a 63 in the same week last week? Cristobal del Solar. Oh. He's yeah, opened with a 57 on the Corn Terry Tour last week, then basically fell away and then shot a final around 63 to finish fifth. Um, wow. And he just Absolutely. Imagine shooting a 57 and not winning. That would, that would suck for starts. Um, I know 59 happens a lot, but even further going 57. Um, yeah, yeah, imagine uh, how many DraftKings points that was. Yeah, it would have been crazy. And and the thing is with him as well is that this is a sustained period of form. Like he was 11th for the national, uh, 8th and 11th to finish 2023, 4th and 27th start. 2024 and then finished fifth last week with a 57. Like this is a player that's playing really well and has a bunch of Latin America stuff. Like he's about Mitchell earlier. Um, I mean, I don't think he's getting like there's a reason that he's 30 years old and never sniffed the PGA Tour. But at 64, someone that shot 57 last week, we know he's in form. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. What's his price? Uh, 6400. 6,400, yeah. I think that, I mean, if he doesn't get crazy popular, I like it. Yeah. Francesco Molinari, you mentioned him earlier, 6,100. How the mighty have fallen. He's 6,100 in the Mexico Open. Yeah, I don't see this as the type of event for him. I, I don't at all. That's actually kind of sad. It is sad. He's also, he did finish 24th here last year. Did he? Yeah. Huh. He, finished, he finished 24th here last year. He's just finished fifth at Dubai Invitational. He made the cut at Tory, and he's 6,100 in the worst PJ's all field of the year. Yeah, that's bizarre. I'm not interested, um, but it's sad. Yeah, I, I have no interest, but I also just intrigued at how they figured. Like, like if he was 6,700, no one blinks. But he's he's 61. It's, it's really strange. Um, I, I got a good guy I really like down here. Where in still in the sixties? Yeah. Okay. Um, Fred Biondi. Did you just make up a goal for you? Try to get me back. <laughs> no, I think he went to University of Florida. I think he's a young guy. He um, he played great. In so he. Do you see him yet? No. Fifty eight hundred. So, that's that's why. 
Oh, he's 58. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. 5,800. He, um, he was 13th in Bermuda, 23rd at the RSM. And then, and then this year he was T7 at Bahamas Great Exuma Classic. And then T21 at the Panama Championship. So he likes these type of events. He's basically done what Jake Knapp was doing when I when I told you about Jake Knapp. Yeah. Like similar similar reaction. You said Puanel is Jake Knapp, and I've kind of forgotten about Beyondi. That might be the play down here. I want to say he won some of an award last year for I think he won the NCAA championship at Florida. Interesting. Brazilian as well. So yeah, which is good. It's going to help here potentially. Um, yeah. Yeah, I like I him like a lot. Him. I might bet him to win. Let me find his loss here. Well, it's, it's, it's a good way to light some Hideki money on fire. It's just to bet people like Fred Biondi. Yeah, and Harry Hall. I mean, what is he going to be like? A thousand to one? I don't know. Let's find out. I'm going to get it right now. I'm going to bet it right live. I'm going to tell you what price he is. Not going to be a thousand to one. Two hundred. Yeah, 200 one. It's not bad. He's the same as Mr. 57. Wow. DraftKings, let's see what he is. Oh, Cristobal de Solar is 150 on DraftKings. God, they're, they're already cutting him. Fred is 180. Hmm. But I, I really like the case. Definitely going to play him on DraftKings for sure. What about Kevin Chappell? I know, I know this is one of those ones like how are you supposed to feel about Kevin Chappell, but for some reason I've got in my head that he's like really good friends with Charlie Hoffman. I might be completely making that up, but I, I can buy 20, it. Top 25 last year here, uh, 21st and 49th for his last two starts. Now, the 21st was on the Corn Ferry and the 49th was at Phoenix, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like Kevin Chappell can, can do something. Um. Anyone up below 6K that I play has to be a Latino. <laughs> well, that's good because Kevin Chappell's 6,000. Oh, is he? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to go all Latinos. I'm going to say under 7K is going to be all Latinos. And under 6,800 is only Latinos for me. Um, so I said to their good friends, he called him out for a ruling. So they're enemies. No, they're not. I think I think it was kind of like a joke or something. Um, apparently, oh. Kevin Chappell said, "Look at the shit eating grin on his face." So yeah, I guess they're just they're just friends. I think they're friends. How about this guy, Sebastian Vasquez? Are you just naming anyone that's South American at this point? Yeah, but what about Ecuador? He's fifty five hundred. Why are we skipping past the one that actually people know? Because I'm I'm done with him. Why are you done with him? He burned me when the uh, old man in the sea reference. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> we spent so much time on that reference as well. It would have been such a great uh, just show moment if he was good that week and he fucked me. So I'm done. He hasn't played well for a while either. But isn't this the sort of thing where he just goes and plays well because he's 5,500? It is. But he's also a sexual predator. So That is true. There's also some decidable characters in James Hahn and Scott Piercy down here as well. Oh, Scott Pierce. Yeah, I was going to actually mention him. He's not Latin American. He's not, but he might as he well might, be. He might believe he is by the end of the day. That's the way his mind works. But I think he likes his woman Latin American. <laughs> I don't think he's in a position to be fussy, Scott Piercy. <laughs> um, I don't want to get told about COVID or anything with Scott Piercy. We'll be here all night. Um, yeah, he, he just got in the field um, after Will with Zalatoris withdrew. Oh, really? I think, but he doesn't he like this type of shit? I don't know. He's playing okay, though. Is he? Yeah, I, I kind of like Piercy. I don't know. I might bet him first-round leader. I'll say he's playing okay. He's, lost, he's missed three cuts. But those three cuts that he missed are on the Corn Ferry Tour, which is why they're not showing up on the DraftKings. It, his last three PJ Tour starts were 23rd in Mexico, 7th after 54 holes, 27th for Bermuda, and 38th for the RSM. I mean... You know what I wish when, I, when I'm forced to write draft um, first-round leader stuff? Because I hate having to justify the picks for that. It's like the worst thing ever. Yeah. I just want to write just like eight guys like, why? He's like 180 to one, and I just have a gut feeling about him. Just yeah. copy and paste every single one. 
I mean, I don't. If you did that, is there any? Is there anyone calling you out for that? I mean, that's no one even reads it. They just scroll and see where the picks are anyway. But I do that. I, I do the complete opposite, and I will over justify a first round leader pick because I think it's one of the. I think people think it's potluck, and there obviously there is a certain potluck element to it. But I do think there is a element of strategy. So I try and really dive in about look, this person's been inside the top five after round one 47 times in their career, and they've done it eight mm-hmm. times. I go way in the weeds, and then someone goes and shoots ten under. Like what did like what was he even doing? Well, just right. How many times uh, Scott Pierce has been in the top ten in round one, so I can copy and paste it because I have a gut feeling he's going to be the first round leader. How many? T- if you could guess, let's let's do this. I love how we're developing this show right here um because it is the mexico open we've got some time to do this i referenced earlier if you could guess how many times scott Piercy has been in the top five after round one what would your prediction be in his whole career in his whole career and across every talk so i'm not going to filter out pga either so every, like corn ferry and everything okay i'm going to say 47 yeah, that's his age but let's have a look uh scott Piercy. System system says no, apparently, um, which is not a good sign. I'll come back to you with the answer on that one. Um, well, that, 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 was, that, was, that was really underwhelming. Like, I've typed <laughs> it all in, it's just, it's just not there at all, which is my foolproof system that I use every single week. Here we go. I've got it. You said 47. The computer says 32. Yeah, it's not bad. And bonus points. If you can tell me the last three places where he's done it, could, okay. could be relevant to this week. 3M. 3M was the f- the fourth most recent one. Um, Mac, uh, I'll say this event. No. Corrales. No. Um, yeah, the other two. <laughs> Puerto Rico Open. Puerto Rico and the Worldwide Technology Championship. Okay. So he's gone Byron Nelson, Puerto Rico, Worldwide Technology Championship, 3M Open, Wyndham, Northern Trust, 3M Open. Um, and then you go way back into 2009, did Mike over that week as well. So it makes sense, doesn't it? it? I mean, this is the exact sort of thing I'll be picking out. Like so when, it says, when I say gut feeling, it's I know there's some reason for oh, it. There is, there is an actual substance, but you don't want to find out why. <laughs> but I, but I just trust me. That's what I want to write. Just trust me on this. Um, but 40, you know, it's actually 40 so if, if I had to p- put it to you how I normally put it so my parameter for were they sort of person that gets in contention after the first round is have they either been in like so I do the parameters of either having a 10 shot lead or within two of the lead and no one ever has a 10 shot lead which is why it's safe 45 times in his career he's done that he's been within two of the lead that's what I meant when I said 47 well, uh, uh, there you go uh, I'm giving it, you the points. Like you might as well. I'll wear the hat now. It's going to be so fun to screen record this and post it after he's the first round leader. Yeah. I mean, you should be doing that. Like, if he's the first round leader. You're not recording okay. now. You're losing. Like, I mean, I've got it, but I'm almost not posting it the way I'm. I don't know. Or here's the bet. This bet. If he's in the top five. Yeah. In the, after the first round, then you have to um, wear that wear that hat. Yeah. In your regular normal life. Yeah. For a month straight. <laughs> my month. It'd be a really good time for me to get my hair transplanted. That's really overdue. Like, it'd be, although you're not meant to wear a hat after one of those, but um, no, just fuck the hair transplant and just just wear, wear the hat. hat. I mean, that's all that matters. Like, so Scott Piercy's top five after round one. I feel like a month's a long time. Okay, a week. Oh, what about what about if I wear it for a month of podcast and you can screen grab as many as you want? Yeah. Okay. Fine. Yeah, so you can just post it. Like, if I make and a really shit claim on the podcast, you can screen record it, and I've got the hat on while I'm saying it. In one day in your real life. Yeah, I will wear it. I'll, I'll text you pictures, like, throughout the day. Okay. One think. day of your life and a uh, month on the podcast, so four tournaments. And then every time I mention Pierce, I have to just talk about this real quick. That bunker shot at the 3M. <laughs> <laughs> it gets on the uh, Netflix show. Oh, my God. I was just fucking dying laughing well, watching I- it. Uh, so Shannon watched that with me, and she just went, "Oh no!" Like <laughs> she just, "Oh no!" Like it went just bunker to bunker, and then water. It's just, it was just crazy. dead middle of the lake. Like I don't know what the hell he was aiming for, and he had like a six shot lead. It was, oh, it was unbelievable. It, I, I don't like to um, revel in people's um, 
misery, but that one I just have that to. Week, that week I'll have to. Like, if you ever feel I'll bad, screaming, just, laughing. Like, <laughs> I mean, it couldn't happen to a more likable person either. Um, four-time PGA Tour winner Scott Piercy. But oh, yeah. jokes. So first-round leader. Um, there we go. How many, how many times has he officially been first-round leader? That's the question. Can you look into that? Yeah, I've got the answer here. I'm going to say seven. Nine. Okay. Short change, Scotty Piercy. Two times at the 3M Open. US Open first round leader in 2018. Co-leader. Was that... um? Where was that? Your knowledge Beth- is better than mine. I don't remember anything. Beth Page? I'm literally like a goldfish, I think, in real life. Um, that sounds... But I, for some reason, I thought that might have been 2019. 2019 was Pebble. I think the Shinnecock, yeah, yeah. Same. Beth Page was the PGA. Yeah. Same year. Brooks, Brooks, Brooks won ball. Brooks back to back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there you go. See, it's all there for you. He has led at the 3M Open twice, the US Open, Safeway Open. So it, basically, there's, if there's any, if the word open is after it, you can bet him. So his first ever first round lead, Farmers Insurance Open, second one, Canadian Open, third, Houston Open. Then it was the CIMB Classic and the Cadillac Championship. Don't know where they came from. CMB, past down. There you go. Safeway open, US open, free and open, free and open. So it's got the word open after it. There's another yeah. line for you. So he's been inside the, t- he's been within two shots of lead 47 times in his career after round one. He's led nine times after round one. And seven of those times it's had the word open in it. Yeah. I've just written your preview for you. Saved you, there you go. Minutes. I'm also going to, I think I got to bet him out right too. I think I saw he was like 385 to one or something. Yeah, there's a reason. But he's 5,300 anyway, so there you go. Beyondy and him. I just found two first-round leaders. Beyondy, there we go. Um, and is that is that Alvaro Ortiz? Is that still Carlos Ortiz? Is that Carlos Ortiz's little brother? I'll say still. Like it, is it, still, it, it used to be, but I, I don't think so anymore. <laughs> it used to be his brother. Was he ever his brother, or did we just make that up? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, it is his brother, yeah. So it's his brother. His brother's on the PJ Tour, but he isn't. Um isn't he the one that's like moaning that he can't play the PJ Tour, Carlos? I think they probably all give him. They probably all give him uh, Alvaro dirty looks when he walks in because of his brother. <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> anyway, that's enough random talk for the Mexico Open. Let's summarize our favorite picks in each range. So I'm just going with Finau straight off the top. I'm, I'm going to play him over any of those other guys at 10k and above. Yeah, I mean you only got a couple of choices, so yeah. Nine uh, k. I love Mackenzie Hughes at nine four. I like a lot of guys in this range, but my first, my best is going to be Mitchell. Not Pendrith. I'll play Margon Pendrith. Um, I like Mitchell a little better because I just trust him to win more. Yeah, makes sense. Let's go with the 8K range. I'm going to go with Austin Eckroat uh, at 8K. Okay, I'm going to go with... Uh, Cam Champ, 86? Yeah, Cam Champ. couple in the 7Ks for me. I'm going to go with Vincent Norman at 7'6". Um, I didn't really spend a whole lot of time in this range. SH Kim seven nine. I'm gonna go with big sexy man John Vegas. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to show you the the, the English Johnny Vegas. Six <laughs> K <laughs> um, range finish flash Sammy Venomaki uh, sixty seven hundred. Um, and who do we say really low down in this range? 6K flat. Uh, Kevin Chappell, 6K. Um, I'm going to go ahead and publicly de- publicly denounce the Kevin Chappell pick, just just to get on the record. And then uh, I'm going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Harry Hall is the hat thing. And then I'm going to go Adrian down here at uh, 63. Adrian DeMont de Chassart. That's what, it really annoys me. His, his name is such a mouthful. I think ADDC people call him now. Yeah. I mean, he, he, how you say his name is going to change in three weeks' time when you know, it's gone from Ludwig Aberg to Ludwig Aberg to Ludwig Aberg. Like, I also don't like how the day is lowercase. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah. Belgium's weird. Um, yeah. 5K range is a weird thing. So you're going with Beyondy and QAnon Scott Piercy. Yes. Um, 5K range. Who am I going to go with? Did I actually say someone in here? I'm pretty sure I did. Um, James Hahn? 
I'm not going with James Hunt. It's been been a while since I uh, did. I tell you that I saw him in an airport once and didn't say hello to him because I wasn't quite sure if it was him or not. No, I don't think you told me that. Uh, yeah, I, I saw it. I saw him in an airport once and I was so lo- I spent so long looking on Twitter and Instagram to make sure it was him that by the time I did it, I psyched myself out saying hello. Um, and then I thought he's not really famous enough to risk being wrong. Um, if he, he's easy to tell. He looks like an assassin. <laughs> the assassin James Hart. Yeah. Um, no, I don't have anything in the five car range. If you've got to go down here, you've probably built your card wrong, I would say. Um, Echavaria, 5,500 if you had to have someone high, high uh, volatility up there. That's me done, Matt. That's it. Wow, Pierce is playing pretty good, man. <laughs> How many times are you going to teach us to talk yourself into Scott Pierce? He's playing pretty well. What is he for first round leader? I don't know. It's got to be. 200 at least he was 350 for outrate i haven't looked at um no maybe he isn't playing good actually you're right you you told me this already but i'm going to say it again he missed some cuts in february yeah but he but that was all in the contrary like when it's mattered most he's he's been playing fine he's a big game hunter he's a big game hunter scott pierce is what i've always said about him um, let me see if i can see first round leader real quick just to put Fred, a ball on this Fred discussion. Fred Beyonce is 100 to 1, by the way, in the in the first round leader market. That's not great. No. I don't think that's going to do much wonders for your PSC price. 160 to 1, Scott Pearcey. Okay. Just still, Yeah. Snedeker's The fact that you say it like that suggests that Snedeker is past his best at this point. Well, yeah, we mentioned winners. There's not many winners in the field. Camp Champ is one. You got another one at uh, JB Holmes. Is, Listed dead last on the odds board. <laughs> JV Holmes. What a hero. And then you also got uh, Sebastian Vasquez, who I mentioned earlier. 500 to 1, first round leader, too. Did you mention him earlier? Was he one of those just, was that when you were just randomly mentioning Latin America? That was, when I was, that, was that, but it, I uh, look looking further into it. He's played well. He played the Mexican, he only plays like the Latin events, and he's done pretty well at all of them. 38th at the Worldwide Technology Championship. Back in the end, back end of 2023, and he finished with a 64 there. Exactly. So I'm First going to take that. Sebastian Vasquez. If you just went with a Fred Biondi, Sebastian Vasquez, and then Scott Piercy, what a weird card to find Scott Piercy in. That's what I'm. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't that be such a trade? I feel like wouldn't that be his like, absolute nightmare? Scott Piercy paired with Fred Biondi and and Sebastian Vasquez. Could you imagine that? Yeah, it would be awesome. I'm going to. Uh... I'm literally betting those three, so... Sebastian Vasquez was 14th. I can't say his name properly. Sebastian Vasquez was 14th after round one last year. Was he? Mm. I'm betting him. They basically stole it off of him round one. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I mean, Toasty was fine around 64 as well, so you might as well just go full South American in that card. I mean, full South American, then Scott Pearce. Yeah, but Toasty's like friggin' 40 to 1. Yeah, that's true. It's going to be like 10 to 1 first round leader. Yeah. Cam Jam, first round leader. Yeah, he definitely could do it. Although, to be fair, both times he's played here, he's had a really slow start. Yeah, I like him more of the outright than a first round leader. And then um, I was also, who else was I thinking about for first round leader? Um, oh, yeah, Hall. I, I'd like to do Hall for him, that too, because he kind of is a quick he starter. Loves, he loves first round leader. Yeah. Uh, I think Jaeger might be in the first round either thing for me because I can't pull the trigger on him as an outright, but I feel like he can go and fire a low one. Yeah, definitely. So he he'll probably be in that list. Matt, Mexico Open. There's a couple of there's a couple of bets on the card now. It's if if Scott Piercy's in the top five after round one, I've got to wear a hat. So um, yeah, worst things have happened. I might have to I might have to bet on it just to make sure I hedge the fact that I've got to walk around with this flat cap on. Well, and you should at least cover the cost of the hat. True. <laughs> I'll cover postage. So if you win, you know, if you win, if if you lose the bet, at least you won enough money to buy whatever hat that looks at least kind of cool. I thought you were going to buy that out of the hecky money anyway. Oh, I'll buy the hat. Give, give me some, uh, I'll, but I get to pick it, so it's going to be a more <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. I don't, I don't know if I want to buy it and then I can pick the hat. Uh, yeah. I don't think any are going to look good, so it doesn't really matter. Um, Matt, that's it. I enjoyed that. Uh, I think we've made a disappointing PGA Tour event fun um, and we left ourselves with some thoughts. If I could hit outrights every week, the show would probably be on a whole nother level. It would. Just do it every week. 
Yeah, that's my plan. Yeah, I reckon if you if you could just go and win sixty grand every week on then Vegas, Vegas has got to be that, that it's that version this week, isn't it? Vegas instead of it is, and it'll be all house money after PSG's uh first round leader. So fuck it. Yeah, um, just roll that. I reckon the best thing you can do is roll that ten thousand winnings into PSG like first round leader top ten. Yeah, and just what you're gonna like quadruple your money. Yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm. Let's go to Vegas. Let's do it. Yeah. Vegas with Vegas. Vegas with Vegas. And oh, yeah. DM me in that picture of uh, Vegas. Oh, yeah, we'll do.